Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. I am the great Brian Last, and it's my pleasure to be with you once again as we look at Mid-South Wrestling Television from October 9th, 1982, taped on September 29th, 1982, the second half of a two-hour television taping. And this week will be hosted by Boyd Pierce and Bob Roop. But before we get there, the man who joins me each and every week, you know him from booking the territory, and of course, right here on the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? You excited for this episode? Oh boy. So last week I felt was a lot of fun. You and I cut, I thought, a really, really good episode of Mid-South. This week, Cowboy Bill Watts is gone, and we got Boyd and Bob Roop. And nothing against Boyd, because this is not Boyd's issue here. But Bob Roop on commentary to break down the card and all that good stuff is just um, its going to leave a whole lot to be desired. Now, would you like me to continue or would you like to get the show started with the opening audio with Bob Roop and Boyd Pierce? Well, I'll tell you what, let's play the opening audio because I have a feeling you have a lot to say here. But let, let's let the audience hear a little bit of Bob Roop before you say whatever it is you're going to say. The only note I'm going to have here for the top of the show is Bob Roop is growing what I could only call a pathetic little mustache. It almost looks like Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite. Just this really, really weak little mustache. It looks kind of funny. But let's go to the opening of the show, and then you could say whatever it is you got to say. But here is Boyd Pierce and Bob Roop opening up this episode. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and we have a lot of exciting action coming up this week. We'll see Kamala, the Ugandan giant, back in action. Also, Colonel Buck Robley against Smash Drafter number two. Tag team action sees Captain Redneck Dick Murdoch and Iron Mike Sharp take on Ted DiBiase and Hacksaw Duggan. The Mid-South Tag Team Champions are here, the Junkyard Dog and Mr. Olympia. Somebody else is here this week as our guest commentator, three times holder of AAU Championship, a great former collegiate athlete at the University of Southern Illinois, and talk about athlete and a champion, he also is former holder of the Louisiana State title and a North American heavyweight belt. That's Bob Roop in the past, Bob Roop in the present. I know you've just returned from a vacation in Ohio and Michigan up in the east. And I'd like to ask you, what about your plans now that you're back, Bob? Well, let me ask that question uh, and not answer it too, Boyd. I I just returned from my second vacation. Uh, I recently spent a few weeks out in Denver, Colorado area in the mountains out there trying to kind of relax after a, a year on the tour here. And, you know, one of the reasons I like being a professional wrestler is because of the fact I'm self-employed and I can take my vacations when I want to and I can afford to go anywhere in the world I want. And you're right, recently I just came back from uh, Michigan. My, my parents live in Michigan. And as far as uh, I'm willing to tell you that, Boyd, but no, uh, no lack of respect, but as far as my future plans, no competitor in professional sports will tell anybody about his future plans if he calls himself smart. And you know as well as I do, as I was known as the man with the million-dollar brain. And one other thing, Boyd, wrestlers all across the world are wondering when Bob Roop is going to step back in the ring again. And I'm certainly not going to let anybody know. So, again, no hard feelings. If you don't mind, That's let's just right. keep things formal. all right. I respect formal. that. Last week when we left you, it was Mr. Wrestling 2 and Ted DiBiase in the ring. Our time ran out, but we kept the camera rolling as we promised. So let's see what happened last week here after we time ran out on television. Let's watch it right now. Well, before we go to that audio, Mike, and the conclusion of the match that we talked about last week, any opening thoughts about Bob Roop as a commentator? What the hell is he talking about? (laughs) We got, okay, we went off air last week with DiBiase and two. 
hot. I mean, you can't get no hotter. Well, you probably can get a little hotter, but you know the point I'm trying to make. I mean, it's a hot finish to last week's episode. You know, it's the stuff is hitting the fan. It's it's hotter than thick than that baby. You know, as as we're going off air last week with two and DiBiase, and Boyd opens the show and throws it to Bob Roop, and he starts talking about his vacation and being able to be take off, you know, after his tours and blah, blah, blah. I was just like, <laughs> why could you have any worse of an opening when you have a hot finish? Um, I know. And here's the thing. I know Watts probably just, he, he would get burned out doing the commentary every week. And he's, you know, you got to think Watts, he's the owner. So he's got a lot on his shoulders. He's, he's in control of everything. He's doing a lot of stuff. He's busy. So I would imagine sometimes because of that, it's really hard for him to be on commentary every single week. I've heard Cornette talk about Smoky Mountain where he did the commentary on, I think it was episode one or two. And he was like, you know, I, I really needed Dutch to be out there with Bob because I had to be in a back running things because I was running a promotion. So I get why it's hard for Watts to be out there every week. It's basically in, impossible, but he does it a lot. You know, he he's out there frequently, but man, if you're going to have Roop out there, like, did, could we have gotten a little bit better of open? I can't imagine that watch would have said, Hey, talk about your vacation in the opening. Although we're coming off one of the hottest finishes ever, not hottest of finishes ever, but you know, we went off air pretty hot last week, but talk about your vacation at the beginning of this episode. I, I cannot imagine watch saying that to, to, to Roop here. So I just was, and it just, it set the episode off on just a tone of, Oh my God, do I really have to listen to Bob Roop again for an hour of wrestling? Get through some of the matches that we have coming up. I'm just of all people. So, and I'm again, bro. I'm gonna say I hope I don't repeat this throughout this episode because obviously Roop is with us throughout it. But this is just Bob Roop on commentary is like, you know, it's just he's like the second coming of Tim Horner and the Human Ambient piece uh, pill. I just wow, man. Well, on commentary, he's bad. He, well, I'm not, he's not my favorite. I did like him a little bit when he was at least the flamboyant heel. That brief period where he started wearing the flashy shirts, the silk shirts, and then he now he's back to like being a bowling announcer. But the other thing is, I think since Bill Watts took over Oklahoma earlier this year, we've had Jim Ross maybe twice, maybe three times, but maybe yeah. twice do commentary. He was clearly impressive. He was the closest thing to Bill Watts. He understood how to get across exactly what Bill Watts wanted to get across. Why isn't he being used in these situations? Eventually, you would get that. You would get Bill and Boyd for hour one, and then Jim Ross and Joel Watts for hour two. So that, you know, like you said, Bill Watts has things to do. He runs the company. But why isn't he being used here? He's working for them already. He's clearly the best guy they have other than Bill Watts. I don't understand it. Do you think, I mean, I don't, I wonder if it's a situation where like in Watts' mind, because we got to remember like JR is still relatively young. And I mean, I don't really know how much besides, I mean, I know he's done commentating, but, you know, wrestling commentating, I guess, you know, he hadn't done a ton. But I wonder if it's just, you know, Watts just wasn't really comfortable yet with him on it, even though he, even though he did really good, the three, I think it was probably three episodes he's done with us. I just, I feel like in my mind, like, we could have got somebody better than Roop. I just, it's, 
he and again the problem is he just he brings down the entire episode it, it's a it's a brain drain as you listen to him because you remember it, it goes back to what you always say i I'm, i heard you say this on a jim Cornette experience a couple weeks ago you're like you're like you know Boy Pierce would just go turn it over right to to Bill Watts. You know, he'd say, all right, we got the grappler, Tony Anthony versus Buck Robley in this match, Bill. And then he turns it over to Bill and Bill talks for five minutes. So that's fine when it's Bill, when it's Watts, when it's Boyd, it's like, oh, Jesus, I want to just, you know, poke pencils in my ears to stop this. Well, I'll make this a little easier on you. We're going to get now the remainder of the match that we ended last week's show with, Mr. Wrestling 2 versus Ted DiBiase, non-title match. And Bill Watts, thankfully, is on commentary here, so you get a little bit of a reprieve from the remainder of this program. Let's go to this audio right now, the finish, the closing minutes of Mr. Wrestling 2 versus the North American champion, Ted DiBiase. minute air time left. Boyd Pierce, this contest, I want to ask Oral Link, who's back there in the truck, in the remote unit here at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, I want to ask Oral Link, Boyd, if he'll stay tuned. If we run out of airtime here and there's no decision, let's do something that's never been done. Oral Link, stay tuned, record this, tape this, and next week we'll show the fans at home. We'll keep this and show back whatever happens in this contest if there's not a victory by the time we finish here today. Forearm smashed by DiBiase, 30 seconds left. DiBiase, oh, you can hear that kick clear over here, Boyd Pierce. And wrestling two is really pouring the cold to Ted DiBiase. The one of the toughest. We want to keep the cameras rolling. We'll show it to you next week. Our time's gone. Remember, Captain Redneck, Dick Murdoch, and Mike Sharp against DiBiase and Duggan. Next week, Bob Root, my guest commentator. For Bill Watts, I'm Boyd Pierce. And goodbye, everybody, from Mid-South Wrestling. Wrestling 2 almost had the fall on DiBiase. We've got Oral Link and his floor director, Paul White, has told us the cameras are still running. We're going to commentate this. We're not on the air at this point, but we're saving this. We are planning on showing you this This is this battle, this challenge match, for once is going to go to a finish. DiBiase is not going to get away with taunting and challenging people. Hacksaw Dugan, you see the fan stand of Hacksaw Dugan. is coming in to try to measure Wrestling 2. But two was warned by the crowd and has met Hacksaw Dugan face on. Wrestling two, a man standing alone against two of the toughest men in wrestling. And you can see him fighting out there. And Dugan, a big, powerful man, catches him from behind. They've got the North American champion and one of the most rugged men in wrestling. They've got wrestling two down out there. The two of them have him. DiBiase punishing Dugan punishing him. Two is down. DiBiase is. Crowd is hollering for JYD. They're double arm whipping him into the ropes. He popped DiBiase with that knee lift. Both of them. Wrestling two. He had to reach down and pull it out on his own. He knocked DiBiase out there. Now he's firing away at Hacksaw Dugan. Wrestling 2 has got him separated. He's back in control a little bit. Dugan went for the spear. Dugan missed the spear. But Wrestling 2 didn't miss with that knee lift. And he's really popped Dugan. DiBiase coming from behind. 
Wrestling 2 caught him in the solar plexus. He's popping him. Listen to the people holler. Two, two, two. This shows you why this man has been so great. And he catches him another great knee lift. Wrestler 2 set him up. And he popped him again. And DiBiase and Dugan coming back. Will he get there in time? One, two, three. A tremendous athlete, Bill. I don't think Dugan wanted it anymore. Tremendous athlete, Mr. Rassin, too, with his hand raised in there to the delight of the fans. And DiBiase and Dugan, look at them leave. They've been whipped. They've been whipped by that man right there, Russell, too. Look at the crowd, two, two, two. You know, Boyd, after watching this, even as a contingency plan, I have to say that Ted DiBiase had himself pretty well covered. And the very fact that Mr. Wrestling number two was able to not only take care of Ted DiBiase, but Hacksaw Duggan, and then go ahead and beat DiBiase, I got to hand it to the man. He is double tough. And we'll be back to Mid-South Wrestling after this important message. Well, there we hear it. The closing minutes of the match that started last week, Mr. Wrestling 2 versus DiBiase and Duggan. You would have thought it would have been a disqualification once Duggan got in there, but the referee still counted the three when Wrestling 2 hit that knee lift. I have to say, that knee lift is so over. Because every time he even just teases it a little bit, the place goes crazy. And it really is a cool move because you could tease it and miss it very easily to build for when you finally do hit it. It's a it's a nice finish because and even when he sets it up like it, the the first one he hits at the finish right there he shoots DiBiase off and he hits him with a gut shot so then DiBiase is selling the gut and he's bent over so it kind of and you anticipate it because of that and then he hits the first one he hits the second one and it really looks two had a way the way he would do the knee lift I don't even know how to explain it like in audio form but he had just had a way to just make it look devastating the way he would wind it and he would he would hit it so quick and and you know guys like DiBiase then sold it so great with the bump they would take but this was that that it was just it just really really looked good um and the guys would sell it for him obviously but I really like this the crowd is just so into this and I, another thing you know you talk about the finish and how good that looked but the other thing that I really like here is so you had two heels and this made two look really strong because you got to be a strong son of a gun to fight off not only Duggan, but also DiBiase. And he did that. He fought both of them off the referee to the point you made. They used discretion. He used discretion there. He didn't. He decided for whatever reason not to throw the match out and call a DQ because of Duggan's interference. He let it roll. And, you know, two gets the win. One, two, three with two big, nice looking knee lifts that are really over. And Brian. How about that crowd, man? They go nuts when he wins that match, man. They they are really into it. Like, yeah, he won. So really, really good stuff right there. The crowd's really into it. Two celebrates in the ring while DiBiase and Duggan slink off into the night. And there it is. The match that started last week ends this week. And, of course, Bob Root putting the icing on the cake there at the very end. From there, Mike, we get a recap of last week's events between General Skandor Akbar and Buck Robley. Of course, the Mongolian Stomper would run in and attack Robley on behalf of the General. Leading into our next match, the debut in Mid-South Wrestling of the Mongolian Stomper, the debut match, I should say, versus Mike Bond with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Of course, the Stomper is with General Skandor Akbar. And before we talk about anything you have to say about this match, Mike, I have a little bit of audio here. I'm sure you'll like this. The Mongolian Stomper is a devastating foreign wrestler. That was always his gimmick. He was like this beast. He was almost like an animal. He was scary. He didn't talk. He didn't do interviews. 
He was just a machine who destroyed anything that was put in front of him. Well, here's Bob Roop talking about the Mongolian Stomper. Mongolia has a great background of amateur wrestling, and I know this man knows how to, the scientific style, but it, I don't think he considers it part of his repertoire. Now, he... now, are we supposed to believe that this beast, this animal, the Mongolian Stomper, knows amateur wrestling? To me, that defeats the whole purpose of him being this machine in the ring destroying everyone. And it's not only that. So you play, I'm glad you played that. It's also when you watch the match, especially the opening, when the Stomper just attacks Bond, he looks like the machine that you're talking about. But Bob Roop doesn't even sell it as anything. I mean, Stomper's in there. He's got the facial expressions just like of an animal, just an enraged beast, a machine uh, going at this guy and tearing him limb to limb. And you listen to Roop and he's just like, Oh, this guy, you know, he's a uh, the amateur background. Uh, what? Uh, I can't like 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 you hear women say sometimes. I can't even. So is Mongolia known for their amateur wrestling program? What was he even talking about there? Why didn't he go? Why didn't he go further and say that he played football too? Because he's not a good commentator. Let's humanize the Mongolian Stomper. That's always a good move with an effective foreign menace heel. But anyway, the match happens. The Mongolian Stomper wins with the Shinanamaki. And that's all I have for there. Did you have any other notes for this match? I literally have my only notes. Bob Roop is bad. Mongolian Stomper wins. (laughs) (laughs) Well, coming out of that, (laughs) coming out of that match, we have our next match. It is Colonel Buck Robley versus Grappler Number Two, aka Tony Anthony, with Jerry Usher as the referee. During this match, Mister Wrestling Two and Iron Mike Sharp come to ringside. To kind of, I guess, weigh things in the favor of the good guys for once. Grappler 1 comes out to see what's going on, but for once, Buck Robley has someone watching his back. Let's listen to a little bit of audio from this match. Here's Bob Roop and Boyd Pierce discussing this match. Robley. Bob Roop? Well, at one time, it was YB Robley, Yellow Belly, and I guess he changed his tune, or, but he can back it up. I'm not going to detract from the man. He's very unorthodox style. He can wrestle. He's a lot stronger than he looks. He knows his way around a wrestling ring. His opponent, Grappler 2, I'm not very familiar with. I know he's hooked up with a very fine part. Well, what's this now? Appearing on, on ringside now, Mike Sharp and Mr. Wrestling 2. Well, Bob Roop, I think one of the reasons you see Mike Sharp and Mr. Wrestling 2 there, during this match, you have Colonel Buck Robley and Grappler 2, and recently we've seen Robley and some of the others double-crossed, jumped on, and some of the wrestlers here on Mid-South are fed up, and they intend to see that a battle remains one-on-one confrontation, so that's the only thing I know that could be the reason for Iron Mike Sharp and Mr. Wrestling 2 to be on the scene, and they're on the outside of the ring. Well, I know Wrestling 2 wants to get get some of his face back at the ex- that he lost from the the grappler kind of embarrassing him, making a fool out of him a little bit. And, you know, it's it's interesting that the grappler, too, now here on the offensive, taking it to Buck Robley. Looks like Robley is poking at his eyes. Maybe that mask is giving him some protection. Robley reverses it. But grappler, and you can't, there you can just see it on your on your screen now. Grappler 1 is down there looking like he might want to, offer some advice or whatever 
he told me himself that the reason he took a partner was because he wanted somebody to watch his back because there's nobody you can trust in wrestling. It looks like it's a case of what he said is really proved out here because Robley obviously has these men down there to watch his back. I can't imagine them coming down on their own just to sit there, stand there and watch the match. So obviously they're down there for that purpose. Grappler 1 is showing a great deal of displeasure at the fact that if he did want to interfere, apparently he uh, he has had second thoughts. Mike Sharp walking around now to face in the match in the ring has slowed down somewhat with the external. You know, a situation like this is a great is a great chance for something to actually go on in the ring. Grappler could be just trying to distract Buck Robley, but in this case, that's not proven out either. Robley's perhaps too smart for that. He went right to an arm drag, has Grappler 2 down, and continues to bring pressure on that, that left arm, chest, and thorax area, making the man carry his weight, keeping himself in a lateral position at the side. Now, Grappler 2 comes up, and he's smart. He knows how quick he got up. All right, I'm going to stop the audio there, Mike. Any thoughts or notes about the match? Rube wasn't terrible there. I mean, he's he's kind of in Boyd helped him out. He's kind of explaining why, you know, Sharp and Wrestling 2 are down there, which it makes sense. I mean, to keep some law and order, uh, you know, Boyd jumps in and explains that they must be tired of all the shenanigans going on, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, Watts probably would have done a much better job of explaining the the whole story about why these two came down there because of all the shenanigans. But I thought it was fine uh, for what it was. And I mean, it ends up uh, you're going to give this away in a second, but it ends up serving the purpose because, um, you know, Sharp and two, they did stop anything from happening. And Robley ends up winning with the sleeper. And one thing that can happen, which we've been seeing happening, is lots of, you know, distraction finishes or interference at the end. And. Well, Sharp and two, you know, because they were there, that didn't happen. And, and Robley wins with the sleeper, I don't want to say relatively easily, but without, you know, without any big notes happening along the way, other than they kept the law and order that they were down there to keep. Sounds like you put you in a sleeper. You're for, <laughs> your energy is getting sapped out of this show, it seems, Mike. Man, but as you it's, said, it's, <laughs> it's hard, man. It's you can't tell. Come on. You, you agree with me. It's he just. Uh, and I don't have anything against Rube. It's just... Uh, well, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. The next match, we have Teddy Biasi and Hacksaw Duggan versus Mike Sharp and Dick Murdoch. Rick Ferreira is the referee. My note says, Boyd is letting Rube talk too much. Because it's yes. one thing when it's Bill Watts. But there are periods where Boyd should be jumping in, Boyd could jump in, and he just lets Rube go and... Roop is not a guy who should be doing commentary by himself. I'll, I'll at least say that. You may not think he should be doing commentary at all. That's arguable. But he shouldn't yeah. be doing the Joey Styles thing where he's doing the entire match by himself. It doesn't work. You make a, you make a good point. It, it should be more conversational with those two because it's not Roop's strength to do, to do commentary by himself. He's not like Watts in you know, that's a good narrator of the storylines going on in promotion. So I think you, you're you on to something there. Those two, it should be more, I, I don't know which one, I, I don't know if I would think Rupe would needs to be the play-by-play guy, but to the point you're making, they should be kind of almost holding a conversation um, while they're talking about the match and talking about what's going on. And I just think they tried to follow the pattern, to the point you made, of like with Bill Watts, where Boyd goes, all right, we got the cowboy here, Bill. And literally, that's all he says, Bill, which is his cue for Bill Watts to chime in. And 
it just it doesn't work. It it doesn't work. And you're right in this next match with DiBiase and Duggan versus Murdoch and Sharp. Roop is just too long, just blah blah blah, like the Charlie Brown teacher here. It's too much like a golf announcer, you know. Like you need someone with a little more energy. But anyway, yeah. we go to this next match: North American champ Ted DiBiase with Hacksaw Duggan versus the Louisiana State champion Iron Mike Sharp and Captain Redneck Dick Murdoch. Like I said, Boyd, let's talk too much. Let's hear a little bit of audio of the closing moments of this match. Murdoch showing that that ring generalship that he has always possessed, even as a very young wrestler. DiBiase showing he's got youth on his side and stamina, but he's definitely showing it here. Oh, Murdoch managed to bull him all the way out of that corner. I haven't seen that. DiBiase made a mistake here. Mike Sharp is a very quiet man, but once he's aroused, watch out. He's got them both now. Using those partners against each other. Well, Murdoch's not going to let him fight two men alone. Referee's pitting Murdoch out. Sharp. Oh! Hexaw Duggan speared him right in the side of the head. Unbelievable move. Sharp is down. Murdoch back into the action. Knocks Duggan outside. Ted DiBiase getting up, adjusting that controversial glove. And Sharp gets up, knocks him, knocks him. Looks like he knocked him out, Boyd. One, two, three. Looks like Ted DiBiase did more than adjust it, Bob Roop, but it gains a victory for his team. And we'll be back and see Kamala, the Ugandan giant, in action after this message from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. DiBiase pins Iron Mike Sharp after hitting him with a loaded glove. Maybe the funniest unintentional line of this episode is, once Mike Sharp is aroused, you better watch out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Real quick, though, I will give Rupa a little credit here. When he was calling the finish, I thought it was fine. I I didn't have anything, like, um, bad from it. Mike Sharp takes a – he doesn't take a Timberg, like, fall from DiBiase there, but when DiBiase – you know, hits him with the loaded glove. Uh, he 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 kind of hits a timber. He he hesitates a little, and then he starts to go there. It's it's kind of like an in between. It's not a quick bump. It's not a too slow of a bump like you see from JYD. But it was effective nonetheless because Sharp is a big man, and you know he can knock them out cold with the loaded glove. A few weeks back here on the show, I predicted that one of the episodes would be the shortest episode we had, and then we ended up going like an hour. This will be the shortest episode because coming out of this, Mike. We get Kamala versus Vinny Romeo, Jerry Usher, the referee. My only note, Kamala wins with the splash. Do you have any notes? I'm going to read you exactly what I have in this bullet point. Vinny Romeo gets mauled by some big chops to the top of his head, and then the big splash. Kamala rolls Romeo over and wins. From there, we get our next match. The Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions, the Junkyard Dog and Mr. Olympia versus Kelly Kaniski and Bob Stabler. Rick Ferreira, the referee. My only note here, the junkyard dog pins Stabler with the thump. Do you have any other notes, Mike? <laughs> dog and Olympia dominate the match, as you would expect with these two, and uh, eventually hit Stabler with the thump, and the Mid-South Tag Champs get the victory, and that is that. And I think we're making our point about how Bob Roop really doesn't say much on commentary, but keep going. Well, You know, that's the thing. You put together your notes on what you think are the strong audio points we need to play on the show and i do the same and usually 99 percent of the time 
your notes and my notes end up matching up. There may be something you want to add that I didn't have. There may be something I want to add that you didn't have. But we almost always match up. Both of us have no notes for audio clips for (laughs) the last three matches on this show. That says something. I don't let me stress what Brian's saying here. He 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 means that. Independently, he watches the episodes, I watch the episodes. We take our notes and we'll like go over a couple of timestamps that we think are worth playing because and usually it's somewhere between uh, 6 7 uh, 9 or 10 timestamps within the episode that we're like, hey, let's play some audio because that's really cool here what Watts said or the finish of the match and whatnot. We do this every single time and we w- I-, I will send them to Brian and 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 we go from there. We literally have the exact same thing <laughs> on this episode where it's like we both were like, there's nothing to play from this. There's nothing of note. It's just this happens. Let's move on. The final match on this week's show It almost feels like they just gave up at this point. Jesse Barr versus Tim Horner with Jerry Usher as the referee. They go to a time limit draw. Not even the time limit of the match, but the TV time runs out while they're having the match. And it's not a bad match, but we've talked in the past about some of the television tapings where you could see the bleachers are empty. In this case, you actually see them emptying. You see just a giant group of people get up and walk out. It's on camera. You just see a ton of people, not all sitting together. They all just collectively decided, we don't need to see this match. This television taping's over. And they all walk out. Yeah. And it's the, it's it's two places. It's the floor seats to the left of the hard camera that start, you know, people start going, all right. Because there's about three, four rows of chairs there. People are like, yep, time to go. We just saw JYD and Olympia. Everything's downhill from here. And then in the bleachers, the big bleachers, you're right. You see just a mass of people like, yep, time to go. And they start heading out. And the only people that are left are like really, really, I guess, young kids and some of the older people in the front row. Can't tell if Hank's there still because I like, I don't I don't know if we get a good shot of him to the right. But, yeah, they start they thin out. I had that exact note. The huge pockets of the bleachers are gone. Now, I will say this. Boyd does mention some important things, although it, it's not worth playing. He mentions in two weeks, DiBiase and Duggan will battle JYD and Olympia. And there may be a clause in that match that says the person who takes the pin will have to leave Mid-South for 60 days. That's a key thing to point out. So loser leaves town possibly. So we need to make sure we stay tuned. I got to give Boyd credit there for mentioning that because that is a uh, that's a big note in a match that literally meant nothing as we are about to go off air. I had the same thing. And like you said, we're about to go off the air, both literally and figuratively, because that wraps up this episode of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review. As we wrap things up, I want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcast. And you can also stay in touch with the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Facebook, the page, Facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcast for classic wrestling talk and wrestling humor, the 605 Super Podcast. Also want to let you know that all Arcadian Vanguard shows, including this one right here, are now available on Spotify. We've heard from a lot of people that said, we want to hear the shows on Spotify. They are now there, so whenever you want to check this show out there, you now can do that. But if you listen on iTunes, please consider leaving us a positive review and a five-star rating. It really does help the show out, and we really do appreciate everyone that has done so, so far. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? 
please come check us out twice per week. We drop two shows, the NWA Saturday night show from the 80s and the Sunday night uh, or, our, or Sunday nights are our Smoky Mountain Wrestling recaps from Smoky Mountain Wrestling. It's a week-by-week week episodic show. We are the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast, as myself, Hardbody Hopper, and Doc Turner use strong language and lots of unprofessional jokes to describe the things we are watching in old-school wrestling. But it's a fun time and a good time, and I think you'll enjoy. You can find us. Just go to tinyurl.com slash bttpod or just search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from and come enjoy it. And uh, leave if you love leave us a five-star review there as well and i reiterate what brian said thank you for all of the five-star reviews on apple Podcasts for this show it really does help the show and it doesn't cost a dime so just take about five seconds out of your day and drop that five-star review and we definitely would appreciate it also give me a follow on twitter at mike 504 saints i definitely would appreciate it brian i think you're right this appears to be the quickest episode we've ever done in mid-south television review show history at this point the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!